Flying a ranger. Yeah, if my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. And I want to apologize. It was a weak moment, and that bitch didn't mean a thing to me. Oh, can I ask you a personal favor? Certainly. Yes. The next time we do Coach's Corner, before you, would you not eat a Caesar salad or something like that? I'm telling you, keep your eyes on the puck. Yeah, I've seen some awful snacks, and it's always a woman yapping away there. No. Look at the game. Lots of fans. What are you talking? Both gentlemen ah, get involved in talking about the game. Hey, I'm just trying to help. Look at the puck. But don't blame women, men, or anybody else for uh, getting in the odd conversation. You people love you. you they come here, whatever it is. You love our way of life. You love our milk and honey. At least you can pay a couple of bucks for coffees or something like that. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, listen up here. It's the Pucks in Deep podcast. And let me tell you right now, we only got five fucking minutes, so we're going to hurry up. We're going to roll everything just the way we normally do, and that's it. No more fucking asking for questions. Let's go. That's it. No more apologies. That's it. That's all. What do you got? Where are we going next? Awkward thumbs up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine we all had five minutes. (laughs) Man, that would be intense. Oh, just so much screaming. We'd have to talk, both of us, the same time for the entire five. We'd have to call it chip and chase. (laughs) That's what it'd all be about. I go, you go. I go, you go. By the way, as I continue here, welcome back, Pucks and D Podcast. Lots to go over today. Um, Are you hearing this extended remix? Yeah, this is old school. This is an old school extended remix of Coach's Corner, and this may be our first opportunity to experience some copyright infringement emails or something. But hey, if we get an email on using that, then I... I, I chalked that up as a win. That means we're big time enough for us to for us to get infringement notices. Well, we're definitely big enough now to have some of our regular listeners begging us for our takes, saying they can't wait till Thursday's episode to hear what we have to say on the matter. And I mean, obviously, let's go. The, the biggest story of the Newsweek is Don Cherry being fired uh, as the longtime ho- co-host of Coach's Corner. What was it, 1985 or something like that? It was like 83. 83 when like he that, first yeah. started. So, I mean, there as it, as it concludes now. A Might good, be the a last good time, time you're going to hear that. That's so exactly what Because I, I think the show's done. I don't know about you, but I think just wrap it up. Like, that's his legacy. It's his baby. It's it, Move on, right? It, it, I, people are saying, like, oh, put Berkey on or put a rotating cast of guys on. Those aren't bad ideas. I just think they should do something completely different. It's time to move on. Well, at least in the interim, okay? Like, uh, I'm okay with you if you want to say that maybe they're going to bring Burke in, whatever. I'm, I'm not here to say whether that would be a smart or a bad move. However, um, you know, it's, it's, it's too soon to do anything. So I think even if they had an idea of what we could do, scrap it. You, you, don't, you only have off. a week. You only had a week. Right. And actually, not even a fucking week because he got fired on Monday. Yeah, they waited till Monday. You know, they waited till his favorite day of the year. Yeah, to fire him basically, yeah. um, which was kind of too bad. But you know, it overshadowed Remembrance Day. It was a tough one. We're gonna get into it here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, follow us uh, on Twitter at PuckPod at Lesko Adam and at Coleman Forty Two. Um, you know, Lesko to finish the point. Basically, you just got to run a panel this upcoming Saturday. And if you have something special planned, maybe tease it or set it up this Saturday and then wait till next Saturday to, you know, to, to uh, unleash it or debut it, basically. I don't think it's smart for them to try and do something to save it or salvage it within a week. Like build up to something because this, 
let's be real here. This is a huge opportunity for for Sportsnet to uh, you know come up with something unique and come up with something that's that's basically filling what is long been considered you know one of the most valuable TV spots in in in, in sports in Canada. Right? And I mean, there's a reason why Don made it made it this long. And when I read about his firing, they did specifically mention um, that the, that the network had the blessing of the sponsors to cut him loose on this one, which apparently his sponsors have come to his defense in the past when there's been questions about contract renewal or controversy and whatnot. Well, and we've seen that relatively recently. What was it in 2012 or 2013, somewhere around there? It was somewhere around that the near lockout uh, when they were saying, okay, well, we're not sure about Hockey Night in Canada. And then Ron stepped up, if I remember correctly. Ron stepped up and said, if you're not bringing him back, then I'm not coming back either, which was which was real solid. Or maybe it was the other way around, dude. They weren't going to bring back Ron because they didn't care for the segment. They just wanted Don and his takes. And they were going right. to kind of, they were going to chip the segment down and just have Don Cherry talking about something. But he said, no, I need Ron McLean. Well, you know, which they, was nice. they need Ron McLean. Cause if, as if you were listening to those clips that we played during the intro, <laughs> man, he, Ron went at him hard for that comment about the woman there. Oh yeah. And he's a lot. I can't remember the last time Ron straightened him out though. Like, it's like, he's long, long ago. He threw in the towel and just, you know, and it, if you listen to Ron's apology, which I thought I knew he was going to do it, but I felt it was shitty that he had to take all the heat there, hometown hockey. And it was, uh, yeah. you know, it's, that's his baby. He loves that show. And he had to go and, and start off with that. But you could tell, and he, I think he admitted it too, that it didn't register with him right Live? at the moment. Yeah, people are throwing stones and lighting their torches because of the fact that he nodded. He gave a nod. He gave a thumbs up. And listen, I've heard a couple of interesting takes on the topic. Probably the most important one for me, having being having been in the broadcasting industry for many years, Lesko, I can understand the point that people are saying. They're saying, listen, Ron's got a thing in his ear and someone's probably always yelling at him from the truck. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to commercial. We got to run this clip. The clip is 29 seconds, Ron. Let's go, 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 go. You know, so there's a chance that he wasn't really paying attention to exactly what Don was saying. And much the same as this podcast, Lesko, I'm sure you've been guilty of it just as I have. I have the computer in front of me all the time. So oftentimes I'm Googling around. You got your phone there and the Wi-Fi is good enough that you can pull up a story. Sometimes when one of us is talking, the other one might be getting their point all geared up and ready to go. And you know what the topic is. You don't necessarily have to dissect everything that I just said. You got thrown for a loop though and you're you're on the spot for sure. Yeah. Right? Like if I were to throw it to you and be like, what do you think about that? Let's go. And you weren't really listening to everything I said, but you know, the, you know the topic is head My hits. My attention span's terrible. So we're going to talk about head hits. You can say something generic. Yeah, well, you know, it's time those head hits. <laughs> That's how you know a real pro when you can just recover from it and be like, <laughs> well, you know, you know, pucks in deep and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> blanket statement yeah yeah right? but i don't know i guess bring it back to don though like i was you know i i love don trey as a kid and it's and don knows what he's doing you have to give the guy some credit he invented this persona oh god yeah. right like he knew how yeah. to be appealing um he didn't you know he, he never really held back on certain topics and you can't question his pride for the game uh for the veterans for the country you know what I mean? He did. I want to give him full credit because he did a lot for the game of hockey. I owned all them fucking videos growing up. He used to fire me up, watch those oh. before I go out and play. Oh yeah. He's done ton for ton for kids, tons for charity, 
tons for veterans and and active service members. So with all due respect to Don Cherry, that was one of the dumbest things he's ever said. Oh, like hands down. And I read an interesting take that talking about the line may may he may not have crossed the line, but the line moved because of the times we're in. He might have gotten away with that twenty years ago. Oh yeah, I agree you with know, that. Well, might the not woman, have the, an that eye. woman comment there, you could tell in the video because, of course, I just ripped the audio from the YouTube clips, and you can tell from the video like how old that is. That was probably nineteen ninety three. Yeah, might have been the eighties or eighty nine yeah. or something like that. You know, and back then it was actually pretty interesting. Let's go to <clears throat> excuse me to watch those guys go, and you would see. You would see Ron's face when Don was going over the line. <laughs> and there was a few more clips that I could have used, but they were pretty shitty audio quality. So I wasn't going to do that to our listeners, but found a couple of gems through them in. But there was a couple of other ones in there where it was just like, you know, he, he basically did everything but call the guy a pussy. Like, yeah. Know, like, he goes and he'll even say like, I can't even say what I was going to call him. Cause you know, I just, let's just leave it at that. You Basically know? <laughs> locker room talk, but on national fucking yeah, television, which was fine back then. And you know what, dude, it still is fine. Now it is. Um, but unfortunately you do have to watch what you say. And like I, I said to, uh, my fiance there yesterday, the day before she says, well, you're going to have fun talking about Don Cherry on the podcast. I said, yeah, it is. It's a big topic. It's lots of people are actually interested to see what I have to say. I'm probably going to piss some people off because I know there's... everybody has a take on it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I always, it's not like I I'm... heard people talking about work, like people yeah. barely watch hockey. Don't even know, know what it. I mean? Yeah. Like, but with him being a national icon. Yeah. Everyone knows. It's a huge conversation. Piece it would be right like now. if Wayne Gretzky got arrested for a DUI or everybody or would know it. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. would know. And they'd have a take on it. Well, you know, he's rich and everything. So is money. Like, right. They would always, they would, they would latch onto something. And in this case, fans are latching on to an icon. I don't think they're latching on to what was said. And we're seeing a lot of memes and links to sign the petition to bring Don Cherry back yeah, or boycotting fucking, That's an email net. harvesting exercise yeah. right there. Yeah. I saw Rebel Media had a fucking petition. Like, you know what they're doing with that? And fucking... That's an email <laughs> list in the making with fucking gullible dummies. Yeah, no doubt. But I, 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 that's the one thing that's pissed me off because I'm going to be honest. Like Don Cherry's comments, it's not like they anger me. It was dumb. They're but it's dumb. not like I'm angry. I'm the fucking definition of white privilege. So this is not something that's like fucking. I understand how it affects di- people differently. Oh, you and me both. Said. We live with it every day. But I'm definitely angry at some of the the takes we're seeing out there and how people are making it into way more than it actually is politically okay? you mean yeah yeah you know we're talking we, we, the right wing has got their fucking pitchforks oh, out you know there, there's there's people really latching on to this as a free speech thing um don cherry's doing them of course now don cherry gets fired the ironic thing is his his exposure and his um airtime is up a thousand percent he's down five minutes a week he's been on five different talk shows within two days he was on fucking Fox News, which was fucking embarrassing. Yeah. But I mean, they're all over that kind of shit. Oh, That's the true. fucking liberal libtards are suppressing free speech again. In and that Canada. Shit, give me a goddamn <laughs> break. Goddamn network has the right to fire a guy for saying dumb shit. That's what he did. Apparently, it sounds like he had a day to apologize and he didn't. And I think that might have been the final nail. Because how do you apologize? He might have been back next Saturday or he might have been back in two weeks. Yeah, I think if an because apolog- I'm surprised he got fired. I gotta say it. Are you? Especially he's made it so far, right? So I'm a little bit surprised. And I thought he might have been like, okay, like listen, I gotta apologize. This is bigger than myself. 
Dude, he's 85. That's that's the other thing. You're like, what well, 85 then, year old is gonna say sorry for anything that they did? He he never has apologized. I don't think I couldn't recall an occasion where he has. So it's like, why would he now? My cousin got backed into by an 85 year old woman. She got out and blamed him. Shouldn't have been there. <laughs> what were you doing there? Well, I'm on my way. I'm literally going the same direction you are. It's, the yeah. world doesn't revolve around you. I know you're 85. It's really unfortunate and everything, but you backed into me. The least you could do is tell me that you're sorry. Yeah. Well, you've got another thing coming, <laughs> young man. You know, so that's fine. I mean, that's the way it is. My grandfather used to say colored boy down at the convenience store all the time. And we'd be like, Grant, like you can't, you can't, you know? I'd tell you why my grandma doesn't like basketball, but I can't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, it's, yeah, just, this, it's a generation, okay? And yeah. it's, we're not excusing the generation for the no, way they I'm are. I'm not shocked that he said that because Me of neither. the point you made. He's 85-year-old white guy, and I swear to God, if you put any 85-year-old white guy on TV for that long, eventually they're going to say something dumb. It, it's interesting that it took this long, though, for him to to finally cross that line because... Sportsnet had to know this guy was a time bomb. Yeah. And I think in my head, um, I thought it was a matter of when. It wasn't a matter of if. He's going to be fired at some point. Just what is it going to be that that finally takes this guy down? And I'm going to be honest here. Like, And I think we've talked about this on the show before, but I haven't listened to the man in 10 years. 10 years. We were sitting there on the couch, me and my buddies watching the game on Saturday night. And we're like, oh, troops. It's troops time with Don. Right on. That fucking none of us, none of us caught it. Because we weren't listening to him. You know what I mean? We weren't actually paying any attention to him. Yeah. So I'm surprised when people are like, oh, I got to hear what Don's take is. Because I always I always laugh when people still take his, his analysis and things seriously. I know it's entertaining. I get that for sure. But I, I've never been like, oh, I need to know what Don's take is on this I used subject. to. I used to feel that yeah, way. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, when I was probably from the ages of 10 to 15 were five strong years where I wanted to listen to Dawn. And then that kind of spilled over from 15 to age 22 as I entered my alcohol drinking years and, you know, going to bars and being in university and whatnot. We would go to the bars and be like, oh man, we can't fucking hear what Dawn is saying. Like, and it was a big thing. Like, so it trickled into my early 20s. And then I'd say right after that, dude, gone. Like, I would watch and there would be nothing for me. I would, and, and, and you know what else actually hurt? I think the, the introduction dude of being able to watch several games at one time. Okay. That, that didn't exist. Then you're just flipping yeah. to another game. Now I know it existed because you could change the channel, but you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like smartphones and tablets and Apple yeah, TVs. There's and, other ways to engage yourself. Yeah. So, I'm, not, I'm usually on Twitter seeing what other people's takes are. People right. Are yeah. So for me, analysts. it was like, you know what? I like Don Cherry. I've enjoyed his his tenure and what he brings and everything like that. But I'm sick of listening to just him and Ron kind of yell at each other. And sometimes he's talking about like, oh, here, a guy deflected the puck and it went in. I've get set, your stick out of the get way. Get your stick out of the way. I've said yeah. it a thousand times. Like, yeah, okay, we, I, I get know, it, Don, man. We heard, we heard you before. I get it, man. You know, so I would much rather is- just flip to another station and watch hockey or I would flip to like the NHL on NBC and much rather hear the likes of, you know, um, 
JR, Jeremy Roenick, for example. I know Mike Milbury is a bit of a doof, but he's kind of funny. Like he's he's kind of like their yeah, he's, he's kind of like, like their, their Don Cherry. Cherry. Yeah, yeah, he's their cranky old man. Yeah, he is. But like yeah. they have a panel, and the panel does well. Look at TSN. I mean, look at everything. Then all of a sudden. Honky Night in Canada rolls around and they're basically just throwing nostalgia at you. Pretty much, yeah. It's it's because you... And I think some people watch them because they always have. It's like a, it's a staple. I mean, he was doing Coach and Corner our entire lives. I know. The only, over our entire the lives. The only times he wasn't on was was during lockouts, right? And yeah, it's it's a weird attachment I think Canadians have to him. And I think... I get why people are upset and I think <clears> it's because they have an attachment to him. But like... Well, they don't I'm, like the change. I'm not. I'm not about to debate the merits of whether he should have been fired or or what was said because it's wrong. We all know it's wrong, and if you can't, I, if you don't believe that, then I can't fucking help you on this one. But the thing is, let's go. Is you got to understand, like the people that are angry about it, they're not angry about like what was said at all. Like they, they. I don't know how to word this. I was texting you this before because I didn't want to forget it, but. My biggest takeaway was basically this. Hockey fans, specifically in Canada, when we cheer for something hockey, we completely remove ourselves from reality. Logic. Logic. Yeah. It becomes a religion. It becomes a fantasy. And unfortunately for our religious listeners, I'm going to apologize right now for it. But for, 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 for me, those are one and the same. I grew up religious. I am not anymore. I've chosen to not be, and and we'll see what happens when I am in the fucking ground. All right, we'll see what happens. But when we watch the games, we are cheering for like our gods. So we go to church and we pray. We go to the games and we pray that we win. And we get nervous and we get upset and we get stressed and we get and we get happy. Like the emotions, like it's very similar. Well, sports fans are the most. Religious. Crazy and illogical, obsessed people on the planet. So in this moment, when Cherry made those comments and then was fired for them, two two different uh, occasions, but they're obviously related, the two worlds collided. The reality and the fantasy world collided. And people were too caught up in their religious fantasy about Canadian hockey to allow the reality to burst through. And then they're sharing the memes and they're and like, that, I support Don Cherry. Uh, hashtag. That wall was you know, broken though. It, yeah, that's an interesting point. It was the broken. The wall was broken, right? The wall between hockey world and reality. the real world. Yeah, sometimes there's there's things like that, that that make you think outside of the game of hockey for a little bit. And I think that's, that's the one thing I've gotten most angry about, I said earlier, is just some of the some of the idiotic takes that have come of this and the mental gymnastics people have done to try and defend the guy or, or say, you know, talk about how, Oh yeah, you know, he's right. There's, we're not talking about something factual here. Okay. We're talking about Don walking to the fucking studio that day, seeing some people without poppies and deciding to making a scene about it. You know, all he had to do was say, people need to buy poppies. Everybody needs to buy poppies. Yeah, but you see, that would have been fine. Yeah, but that's what that's what the community, the community that is supporting Don. Well, that's what that's he said when crutch. he was on TV the other day. He's I know. Like, I said, he's like, uh, he's like, I said, uh, everyone should buy a poppy and I stand by it. Well, it's not what you said. Not what you said. So, you know what I mean? That's, and, and you know, Don talks about being a fucking man. I, I could, couldn't tell you how many times I've heard him say those exact words. Well, be a fucking man, Don, and fucking admit what you did. Yeah. And move on. You know what, Because he could still have a job. He could still have his fucking soapbox. 
Whatever this man does next will be probably the most interesting move because somebody's got to throw uh, some money at him to do something. He's he's just become the most interesting man in Canada. Some way, interesting free agent, right? right? But honestly, dude, you talk about the bad takes. Did you did you see the Jessica Allen response? Yeah, so, you, so I did see that just before. Uh, I saw people talking about it first, where this lady had to go to the the maximum extreme here on it was some daytime TV show on CTV, right? The social. I had never even heard of it before. In front of an, uh, a lively audience of seven people. Yeah, who are the people who buy tickets to that shit? Well, I don't know. I mean, let's what let's kind of person? let's stay away from bashing the goddamn social. But this lady <laughs> went. If you guys haven't seen it, I'll try to remember to throw up a tweet. But basically, it's hashtagging around the world right now. Well, around the hockey world, uh, two hashtags are hashtag fire Jessica Allen and hashtag proud hockey mom. The reason for the second one is because of what she said. She proceeded to say uh, in a blanket statement that in her experiences, some universities that she went to, which I feel is important given where we'll go later. Universities. In in, in her experiences, um, hockey boys are white, are rich, are mean, are bullies, and are not thoughtful. And then she proceeded to make an actual decent statement in the second half, which is that Don Cherry can be the walking, talking version of that demographic, which is kind of emulates that overtly masculine culture of hockey. Right. I agree. And like that and rough and tough. And you know, you know that what, what he sells, right. Um, I think Carcello had a really good tweet on it that he, he sent out yesterday or something talking about that, you know, and he's a pretty extreme guy when he when he tweets, but he's saying I was ingrained with that culture of, you know, being tough and and you know going out there to kill basically. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm doing a, ba- a bad job paraphrasing it. Check it out if you have a moment. Look up Carcillo's Twitter, but he talked about that that cultural aspect that Don Terry is is definitely the embodiment of, and it's most certainly that old school hockey culture that, uh, you know, it doesn't. I, I should say it doesn't persist like it once did, but I, I get what that lady was trying to say when I watched it. She just did a horrible job of saying it. She did and a worse she, job than Dawn did. I know because she. It's funny because if the whole lesson here is not to single out a group of people for something, and she just proceeded to do exactly that in a very extreme way. Like she missed the memo big time, man. And yeah. CTV has received a ridiculous amount of complaints uh, over the topic. She's had to make all of her social media accounts privatized well, and, she, and hidden. Like she's getting so much uh, backlash, dude. It's like she, because all you got to think about all it. these people already have their pitchforks sharpened over the cherry <laughs> thing, and she fucking dove out onto that. She just dove right in. She's like, "Take me! I'll sacrifice myself." It's so true because all mean, that, all that online hate and and you know right wing fucking conservative groups who have jumped on this are immediately just running over to that bitch. Oh to, yeah, to take her on and just just crush her, right? So, fuck. I've had that's the that's the worst thing about when these things happen is that your socials will get destroyed. Oh, I'm glad you, you brought it up. You basically have to quit social media at this point and. I'm sure, like Don cares, or he, you know, I don't even know if he tweets or anything for himself. But, and and at the end of the day, a guy like Don Terry doesn't care. He clearly doesn't care. He's 85. He doesn't care. He also half apologized on one of his interviews too. He was like, uh, he's like, well, if it's something I offend anybody, I'm sorry, and or 
didn't mean to offend someone and I'm sorry, but it was just like mashed into a sentence, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like a profound, like I'm, I'm apologizing. Yeah. But so it's like, well that, I don't get it. Like why, why wouldn't he just apologize in the first place? Well, I don't know. I think it brings me back to what you were saying before when he first got to respond. And I was really disappointed in Don Cherry in that moment for not doing one of two things, either, straight up apologizing and saying you were wrong or fucking double down. Well, he, he act, he didn't do either. Cause he just, he, didn't do he just did revisionist history. Like he, he didn't do two either. days ago and he was already trying to spin the narrative in a different no, direction. No, this is what I meant. You guys took it wrong, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. No, Don just either double the fuck down or really say you are sorry and then proceed to try and spin it. But instead of saying he was sorry and then spinning it or Doubling down and saying, you know what? I'm 85 years old. I'm sorry that it offends people, but I'm not sorry for what I believe. And what I said, I believe. Well, great. Good for you. Good for you. And you doubled down. But and I respect you for that. But I don't respect him for what he chose to do, which was to try and basically weasel his way out. Kind of. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, his buddies in media, you know, I know he went right to his old pal, Warmington there, who's a favorite of the Fords and the Toronto Sun. To be like, uh, you know, help me fucking salvage myself here. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, like, let's... He needs some I, PR I, help. I mean, he was the one who, who broke the story, and he's the one who had the, kind of the first article up. Um, if I'm going to make some recommendations as well in terms of articles to read uh, on this topic, uh, check out Steve Simmons', uh, both his columns. That, excuse me. They put out this past week. I know he's a bit of a bad rep there and he can be a bit of a douche and has had some bad takes and bad stories over the years. Yeah, you lost me which, at Steve Simmons. Which one of us have hasn't, <laughs> but he knows Don Cherry really well. And he wrote, you know, his first one was, you know, he took him to task. His second one was a little bit more of a, a retrospective on him. And it, it's just an interesting read if, you, if you're still digging in, into this topic. Um, I know it still has legs and I know we're... We waited a little while to put this episode out, but it, it seems that there's there's still no shortage of interest and conversation going on. Oh, it'll continue. Yeah, it'll continue. Uh, it'll only continue for another couple minutes before we move on. We've been yeah. hammering on it, but so, one last thing I wanted to get out, dude. Yeah, um, was was this? You, I think you've heard me say this before. Um, I know friends of mine have heard me say this before, but I'll use my platform now to get it out. I'm a huge fan of sports productions. Um, I became that way in my early twenties when I decided that I wanted to try and be a part of sports productions because of that. I pay very close attention to broadcasting, camera angles, audio uh, quality. I want quality. Other people just tune in to watch the puck go in the net. I tune in for more. And I said this when Bob Cole was ushered nicely out of his chair, he became a villain when he could have left on top of the world. But why would you leave while you're on top of the world? Just like any player, they play and they play and they play and they're on top of the world and then they come back down. Then they retire. And the last couple of years are not the great ones. Yeah. It's the early years that you look to. So Bob Cole became a villain. Don Cherry riding shotgun in the same vehicle. Riding shotgun. He's driving in the, the same car. vehicle. Well, he's riding shotgun because Bob had to pick him up because Bob already left. He just took it because Bob lost his license. You know, you so can't see that good. It's just, it's too bad, I guess is what I'm saying. I think it both, is a shitty way to go out. Gentlemen it's are a bad way to same. go out, definitely for Cherry. And, you know, Sportsnet, in hindsight, could have eliminated this possibility by never taking on the show back in the day when they, when they got the rights or, you know, not bringing them back this year when they made that huge round of cuts to their media team this summer. 
because they had to know, as I mentioned earlier, that he's a ticking time bomb. And unfortunately, they waited for it to go off instead of having a, you know, a hero send off. Yeah. Uh, speaking of heroes, though, I did want to go over a couple quick stories. Um, I actually had this idea and pre- started prepping it out prior to this crazy controversy that overshadowed Remembrance Day a little better as I sometimes fuck up and give it like a Rickyism. I call it Novembrance Day. Oh, okay. I've done that a lot. My wife looks at me like, hmm. Novembrance? Yeah, Novembrance. It's, it's so so terrible. But anyway, I want to talk about some real fucking hockey heroes and war heroes here. That's amazing. Um, as I, I we talked about in our recent discussion about the intersection of politics and hockey, but uh, you know I talked about how a number of uh, NHLers and people who had large impacts on the game of hockey actually spent time at war. Um, you know, World War One, World War Two. So I want to profile a couple of guys quickly. This is going to be kind of my baby here, so I'm going to rifle through it. Stay with me if you can. Uh, but Go first, Con Smythe. Con Smythe, everybody knows his name basically because the playoff MVP trophy is named after him. Um, he owned the Maple Leafs from 1927 to 1961. He built Maple Leaf Gardens during the Depression. That's, that's why, sweet. That's unbelievable. And that's why, and the way he financed it was crazy too, if you want to take a deep dive on that. Um, that's why the Maple Leaf Gardens building is what's featured on top of the Con Smythe trophy. <laughs> he coached the Maple Leafs between 1927 and 1931. Um, and he, he served in both world wars, though. Okay, so after he won the OHA title, he he and eight of his teammates enlisted in the army and got sent off in World War One. So his unit was the second battery, eighth brigade, and they fought nearly two months in the trenches near the Somme before he was being finally relieved from the front line. So this guy was in the fucking trenches for two months. That's crazy. Okay? And. Once he got back, he was temporarily made commander of uh, of the battery after the death of a sergeant major. Um, he ended up earning the military cross in February of 1917 after killing three German soldiers and helped several wounded Canadians back to safety in a battle. And uh, after that, he transferred to the Royal Flying Corps in 1917, and he was shot down by the Germans, captured on October 14th. Uh, he was in a POW camp where he tried to escape twice, but was unsuccessful both times. And as a result, he actually remained in, in solitary uh, confinement for the remainder uh, of the war. Jesus. Yeah. So there's a resume and a half. No kidding. You know, and, and that was after that, he came back. He he uh, started a sand and gravel business. And that's when he got into, you know, the business of hockey as well at the same time. Uh, so World War Two rolls around and... This guy re-enlists at age 45. He's like, sign me up. Sign me right back up. I'm going right back in. He goes back. And so he ends up uh, injured during a a German bombing raid on an ammo depot in France in 1942 and then returned to Canada after that. I mean, you look at at the, the points that you just made in there. And I mean, there are several times the guy should have been dead. Sure sounds like it. Right? I mean, injured, shot down, captured, like tried to get out. Like, I mean, he was really living the living the risky life over there. And I guess that's that's the that's the name of the game, of course, when you're involved in a fucking war, dude. Like there's risks, obviously, no matter what you're doing, whether you're in the trenches at an ammo depot that gets bombed, you know, like yeah. anything can happen. I mean, obviously we were this is well before our time. We don't really have the ability to really comment on it. 
but or in, comprehend it, comprehend yeah. description even. I mean, they almost shut down the NHL at one point because there was a lack of players and a lack of quality players because so many of them either enlisted or or were conscripted to war. Right, Dra- uh, the draft, right? Yeah. That's crazy. One of the uh, really cool things that you said earlier with regards to the Conn Smythe Trophy, I had never actually realized why uh, Maple Leaf Gardens is on the trophy. I always just kind of thought like, like a selfish, because it's dope. That's why. like a selfish Leaf fan, you know. Yeah. Like, well, it's because it's the center of the hockey universe, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. But I think it's really cool that you know that's the reason that it's on there. And, and obviously, selfishly as a Leaf fan, I'm very prideful in that fact um, that there it is on arguably after the Stanley Cup, dude, now the most important fucking... award there is per year. Now it's a Loblaws. Yeah, now it's a, <laughs> is, that, is it really? Yeah, it's, I went to the LC in there actually once. Did you couldn't even tell you were in the rink? Really? Yeah. That seems too bad, man. But I mean, whatever. Time, that's what time yeah. does, right? So I'll profile one more guy. And actually, I knew nothing about Hobie Baker, okay? Again, a name I only know because it's the award given to the top NCAA men's hockey player. Um, so I actually searched him up because I knew that I had read somewhere that he was a veteran. So I wanted to get some more some more backstory on this guy. Um, so he was a Hall of Fame. He's a Hockey Hall of Famer, and he played college at Princeton and he actually died when he was serving in the U.S. Army in World War I. Um, he was also, at the same time, an accomplished football player. He won three NCAA titles, one in football and two in hockey. Cool. So the whole time this guy's in Princeton, he's playing two of probably, you know, arguably the most physical sports you can. He wasn't playing volleyball and badminton or something. Here. He must like, have had some serious game. Oh, yeah. With the ladies. Bar play off the yeah. charts. Oh, yeah. Off the charts. But here's yeah. my one ring from football and here's my other ring yeah. from hockey. And, look, and they're like, what's hockey? <laughs> you look up a picture of the guy. He's a pretty dapper looking gentleman as well. Oh, okay, nice. So he was so well known and popular that when he enlisted to serve in the war, nearly the entire Princeton hockey team followed his lead and they had to cancel the 1917-18 season because of it. Wow. So that's talk, talking about the type of impact this a guy leader. had. Yeah, a true, a true leader. leader. So he, he served in the 103rd and 13th Aero squad, Squadrons and eventually became the captain and the commander of the 141st Aero Squadron. He died in 1918 at age 26. Excuse Jeez, me. Jeez, what a shame. While test piloting a plane in France, just hours before he was set to return to the U.S., oh. so he test this plane had recently been repaired, and he test piloted it because he felt, as the leader of the squadron, that if the the risks, he didn't want to risk his men. Right, basically, he, I'll take he the said, risk. I will take the risk. Down I with will the ship. Test this plane out, and so the plane crashed, and apparently he died in the ambulance shortly thereafter. So an unfortunate way to go for a guy who's very inspirational, obviously. Jeez. But he's uh, widely considered to be one of the best athletes of his time, like, period. You know what I mean? And yeah, this yeah. is, you know, the late 20s. His sport has not quite evolved, but it's obviously a big deal considering the ward that's named after him. Yeah. Um, he was also one confirmed kill short of being an ace pilot. I looked into that a little further, too, and they had a weird way of how they... Um, they need a lot, to, a lot of criteria, to, a lot of boxes to tick off to get yeah, yeah. confirmed kills. But so that's the story of Hobie Baker. Um, if you, if you, if you're curious and you're kind of a history buff like me, um, definitely look more into into the guy. He had a very fascinating short <laughs> life, obviously. But uh, and that just scratched the surface too. I mean, there's tons of guys with really inspirational stories who did uh, did fight to defend their country and had a big impact on the game. Yeah, no kidding, man. And you're right. I just picked up the or pulled up the web page real quick. You're right about that. Uh, pretty easy on the eyes, uh, if I may say so. 
Um, so he would have been, yeah, he would have been definitely uh, having a, an easy time uh, with maybe his choice of the litter, so to speak, whenever the whenever the <laughs> boy, whenever the boys would go out, you know, like we're talking about back in the what, like nineteen fourteen. I wonder kind if of women thing, were you know? even allowed in Princeton at that point. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. All right, my man. Move uh, on some more NHL. Back to the ice. Uh, yeah, back to the ice here. I guess uh, big right. news today: Sidney Crosby uh, had hernia surgery. Uh, a core was a core muscle, like stomach muscle, whatever that. Yeah, shit is. he re-aggravated an existing hernia injury that and he it, had been playing through. I yeah, because what I read is that he he wanted to originally they wanted him to have surgery back in October, but right. because Gino was out, he basically felt the need to float the ship. Yeah, they had Gino out. They had Bukestad out. Um, someone else got injured, a role player, but yeah, it was it was bad. And I mean, it's one of those situations where I guess he was able to what? I guess an eighty percent Sidney Crosby is still play- better than well, most playing, of the NHL. If you watched any of his goals, or oh, he's killing it. Yeah, he's killing. It. He looks like vintage <laughs> Crosby out there. <laughs> he was killing it. So hopefully, he comes back better than ever. It's always sad when you see one of the game's superstars, especially a guy like Sidney Crosby, go down for injury. Uh, big loss for the Penguins, but thankfully they do have Geno Malkin back, and uh, we'll see if Malkin can float the boys uh, in the meantime. Well, statistically, Malkin's best has come. Well, has come when he's Sid. out. I, I think that year he won the he won the Conn Smythe. Yeah, yeah. He kind of stepped up because Crosby had he a missed bit of the whole an season. off year and uh, didn't actually didn't play Game Seven in the playoffs because he was hurt. Yeah, that's right. Or um, so I think we were talking about two different years. I know what you were talking about now. Yeah, Sorry, there was eleven. Yeah, but there was a season when earlier when Crosby missed the whole year. Remember, he was like he didn't play the whole season. Right, he, everyone was talking about him fucking retiring and all yeah. that stuff. Um, you know that was crazy too. If we not to go off on too much of a tangent back there, but dude, we've never had an opportunity to bring this up on the podcast. Isn't it crazy to you that basically Crosby missed all that time simply because he was misdiagnosed? Yeah, and it seemed that. It almost evolved the way that concussions were handled because there was such a huge spotlight on it, and they went, "Holy fuck, we can't just throw a guy back out there because he's super vulnerable right. to something worse happening." And but it wasn't; know, it was a spinal injury. And I feel like at the time too that that we started to learn about post concussion syndrome, which I believe was was given as one of the reasons why he missed time at that point. Oh yeah, and I'm not like I'm not saying hindsight's 2020 and they fucked it all up or anything i'm just saying it's uh it's really a shame that you know all that time had to go by before they were able to say hey you know what dude it's not post-concussion syndrome you have a neck alignment issue and we're gonna get you fixed and then boom fucking fixed i actually liken it to tiger woods Tiger had the back issues where he couldn't even bend over to tie his shoes. He could barely get out of bed. It was not looking very good. And then someone believed that he was being misdiagnosed. And they said, I think you should try this because you've been trying all the wrong things. No one's leading you down this area. And it was the fusion. That was the spinal fusion. They said like they're, they're surgically removing things and they're fucking you up even more. You should try this because this should this would identify your problem, and that was actually the fix for him. And now his back is not an issue. It's other thing. He does still have other yeah. issues. Tiger does, but the the back is not an issue. That's the first question he gets, and his for, answer is always a little stiff, but it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Whereas Crosby, I don't think he would have been fine if if someone weren't smart enough to know or suggest. Hey, bro, let's look at this. Yeah, it's actually take a different approach. There, different approach. It's yeah, not that, working. That's yeah. the good thing about a guy like Crosby who's constantly striving to be the best. I mean, you want the best of everything and obviously want the best recovery for your body. So 
Uh, it's a good thing, and you know the league's uh, the league's not the same place without Crosby. So we wish him all the best, and hopefully to see him back on the ice soon. Another scary moment in terms of injury conversation today: uh, T.J. Brody, Calgary Flames defenseman, um, apparently went down. A collapse during practice today uh, apparently was convulsing on the ice so we don't know if it's like a seizure situation or what it was um, but they had to get a stretcher take him off he was responsive when he did leave the ice uh, the team will hopefully provide everyone with an update I would expect sometime tonight uh, but that's 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 terrifying I mean you never know when your ticker or something's going to fuck up in your brain. No, and you know, I mean, I, I've seen people have seizures before, and it's terrifying because you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's true. I, I same here. Um, I've I've seen them up close and personal as well, and it's really. I mean, you have a tough time even reacting to it. You know, your your blood's boiling a little bit. Your your hair's standing up on on your arms, and you, you just you just feel so helpless. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know? it's do. not like you see a guy bend his knee the wrong way, and you're like, oh shit, like it's mice, it's fucking straighten you out. No, you know, like yeah. hey, buddy, it's okay. Or your like, cut, or your cut. Yeah, you know, help yeah, you in the shock. There's you know? something you can do, but as a, as a teammate, you know, you're just standing there, kind of helpless, being like, oh fuck, like we need medical, like serious medical. You don't want to touch right? them. Either. You don't want to touch them exactly. You don't want to be. You don't know what to do, right? You're helpless. There's, they don't teach that shit in first aid. But right? you know, you're right about the ticker thing. I mean, you just never know when something might, whatever you want to call it, pop or be become too stressed out or whatever the case may be. And it is. It's scary stuff, man. I mean, athletes just kind of think that they're in peak conditioning and everything's fine. And it is. Like if you went to the doctor the next day, like he yeah. might go to the doctor yeah. tomorrow and, and, and not, check out totally fine. But you're not immune from random events of health and things that are hereditary or things that are rare. It just it just happens and it just kind of, it, it puts things in perspective for you that you, you really got to enjoy yourself and, and make the most of every day of your life because you never know when some crazy shit might change, yeah. change it for the rest. So hopefully he's okay. Hopefully we see him back on the ice soon. A uh, big part of that Flames organization and has been for a long time. Um, I want to throw it quickly to the Senators because we have a positive send story. Ooh. And I said, I think we said if we had some positive sentence news, because I was kind of thinking recently, I was like, I haven't heard a lot about them. Like, I guess that's a good thing because it's been often negative headlines. But uh, right. uh, JG Pajot. JG. He's been there for a while. Um, noted playoff hero for the team as well. Pajot. Uh, he was in the headlines Pajot, recently because he apparently is the NHL best plus 19 right now. Uh, I know people don't put a lot of stock in plus Yeah, minus, but that's but impressive. It's still impressive because the team is a differential team of minus garbage. nine. It's, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Contract year for him, UFA upcoming. So uh, might be a guy worth keeping an eye on there for the Ottawa Senators. How do you think that goes, though? Do you think it's a situation where you know this is a guy that the Sens would like to keep around so that he is that 10-year veteran? No, they trade him at the deadline. You got to. Yeah, eh? yeah. I mean, especially with the playoff experience under the kids' belt. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think people are going to be calling. And if you're Ottawa, you're still in rebuild mode, whether you like it or not. So, and he's for sure UFA, correct? I believe so. And if I'm wrong, well, somebody call me out. And okay, make me feel bad. whatever. I'll take your word for it. So let's assume he's a UFA. Then why not entertain the opportunity to perhaps trade the ass or trade him right. away, get some assets, and then throw like because they're going to have the money. Let's go. So. Yeah, and they got to think Ottawa's still figuring we're going to bottom out. So you right. got to think anyone of value, and he's probably the you know the highest valued in terms of movable vets on the roster right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Close, be, closely beating up Bobby Ryan. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> immovable vets, apparently, because I think they've been trying to trade Bobby Ryan for a while. Okay. Uh, a while. A while. <laughs> I like cool whip. All right. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk. Done. Yeah, done. Well, he's, well what's he been doing? I mean, doing? if you're a healthy scratch for the LA Kings, you got to be done, right? <laughs> like, uh, Tyler Toffoli was a scratch for a game. Okay, fine. But he came back and scored a couple goals. But if they can't find a role for Kovalchuk, man, that contract looks ugly. And they paid a, a good fucking price. He's making like $4 million or something. Yeah, they didn't cheap out. No, and you got to figure he wasn't going to come over for, for nothing. But you got to think all those other teams, because apparently a ton of them were interested. Of all those other teams, are probably like, fucking right. I'm glad we did not end up with this debacle. Well, that was my next question to you, though. Do you think that this, like you call it a failure, call it ineffective, call it whatever you want. The Kovalchuk experiment in LA has not worked. Do you think that you would be seeing the, or we would be seeing the exact same result regardless of where he went? Or do you think that this LA situation weighs in on that? I think it does in that it, it, it he, he's probably mentally checked out sometime last year. You know, he probably initially went to LA, looked at the roster and said, yeah, these guys are pretty good. They're not that far removed from winning a cup. You know, maybe I can help contribute to their offense because if you look at L.A., they still have a lot of big, big-name pieces. I mean, some of the guys are, are nothing to shake a stick at, but Kovalchuk's also not been in the NHL for a little while. But you weigh in all the factors, and you're like the weather and the money and whatever, L.A., I can see why he would be drawn to such a place. Oh, uh, but I oh feel yeah, like, for sure. I feel like he's checked out, and I think people just overestimated his ability to come back to the NHL after all this time and be an effective player. Because it seems that even on the power play, he's not doing much, much of anything. When the Leafs played LA recently, he was he was pretty much invisible. Did he even play? Yeah, right. I honestly don't even remember oh, if he yeah. played. I saw him on the point in the power play <laughs> okay. a couple times, and that was take it. your word for it. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that fucking LA game, so I've kind of removed that from my memory. Even though, <laughs> even though that was one of the fucking few games that we've won in regulation this year. Yeah, yeah. More on go. that later. More on that later. <laughs> All right. Um, you want to talk about regulation wins? Let's talk about the Islanders. Talk about the goddamn Islanders. How about those? Games? Bastards? So we've been putting this off, and actually, it's very timely because the Leafs just lost the Islanders last night. Yes, they did. Um, but we kind of held off. With the honors, and mostly because I wanted to see if they continued to to sustain this, or if they, you know, took a shitty streak or something. But so the Islanders currently are thirteen three and one. They have the lowest goals against in the NHL with thirty nine, but they are second last in the NHL in Corsi four with forty four point eight percent. The analytic community is, is spinning. pulling their hair out. And they they're, are so spinning. they're third overall in the NHL standings <laughs> right now. But and this really set me on a bit of a tangent today. I was I was trying to research like what is how can we delve deeper into this Islanders team? Have they found like a market a massive market inefficiency? Have they how are they defying this, right? And the only thing I could think of was that when Lou constructed this team a lot of people chirped. I'm like, oh, bring in Komarov. Like, you know, and yeah, bad contract, whatever, all things aside. But you look at the way they built that team. They built that team knowing, yeah, we're not going to be the most skilled. We're not going to own possession all the time. And if you think about it, even the best possession teams are 55% possession. You're not going to have the puck the whole game. But the players that they have that are defending are really good at defending. It's true. You know what I mean? And I think those are the types of guys who might get a bad rap uh, especially if you look at the the surface analytics we always talk about, and that's possession and Corsi 4. 
I mean, you're going to get steamrolled in that category all the time because you're playing without the puck. Right. But if you're really good at playing without the puck, I think that's something that might be undervalued at this time and that the Islanders might be teaching us something here. Well, I think it's it's definitely cause for more research. It is. and There has to be better metrics to to quantify the the um the qualities that uh of play that these that some of these players play away from the puck you know what i mean away from the puck yeah and i'm sure there is and like i said i didn't take a deep dive on it this is probably a job for someone smarter than me but i i i've realized that that's a long this list isn't of people. dumb luck this isn't dumb luck like they they know what they're doing here to a, to a certain degree i think with the personnel they have the system they play um because someone pointed out uh very correctly uh, yesterday that the way the Islanders play, they play in their end a shit ton, but they don't give up anything quality. It's all perimeter. And they're blocking shots. There's a lot of shot attempts to get, but very few are getting to the net, and there's very few high danger. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, we saw some phenomenal goaltending performances throughout the last season and a bit uh, in nets, and one of them being Robin Leonard, who was shipped out to Chicago and hasn't really we haven't really seen the same Robin Leonard out there. Now, of course, Chicago is a much different team, but when you look at possession numbers and whatnot, I'm sure that they're probably not that far apart from one another, given the fact that the Islanders are so low in the standings in Corsi. They're probably right near the Chicago Blackhawks. So you you, you ha- kind of have to take that away. Of course, when we we play Leonard, he is able to stand on his head a little bit or something, like something of that nature, plays like you know a Vesna caliber goalie. He's only earning $1 million, but... He was able to do it under the system that is the New York Islanders, and they've managed to move him along. Yeah, they bring in Varlamov. Of course, he's a standout goalie himself, but now we're seeing Grice and Varlamov continue where Grice and Leonard picked yeah, up. Picked up, so, picked up right where they left right off. Right where they left off, and, and, and it looks very solid. And you know the other thing, Lesko, that I thought, uh, I don't watch a ton of Islanders games. I have been tuning in more because of the heater that they were on. It's always interesting to see a team that's on a heater. And what I noticed, one of the big things I noticed with the Islanders, let's go, is not only are they great at, you're right, playing away from the puck and deflecting shots, getting in the way of shots, uh, stifling the opposition. When they get an opportunity offensively, cash. Like, yeah, they make it count. Cash. It's like, know? and it reminds me of, it is a big strategy in soccer. You can often tell when you're up against a juggernaut or you're up against a team that is going to dominate you throughout the whole game. But all you wise. need, yeah, yeah, you might get outshot 20 to 5, but all you need is your one fucking ringer yeah. to get a clear lane and a clear shot. Or even you know if it's I mean? not, but even if it's not the ringer, I wouldn't even go so far as to say that because they got guys. They got scoring by committee. It's not like remember last year they well, didn't, I think last they didn't night, have a guy over twenty goals. I think it was it Cizik, no Bavillier had two goals. Yeah, and Sezikis had one. Sezikis, as well. yeah. So and, it, and it, it's not your star players getting it going. Now you could Barzell scored as well though. Yeah, that was you, a beauty. Other than Barzell, maybe Josh Bailey, like Anders Lee, I guess Brock Nelson. Yeah, it's difficult to label a lot of those. Well, guys we're not talking as about top tier no. guys. We're talking about guys with some skill. Yeah, but we're also talking about guys who buy into a system. And we got a bottom six full with guys that are going to make your life miserable. Whether, you know, you might outpossess them every shift, but will you necessarily score on them and, and, and get high quality opportunities? I, it seems to be that people have to figure out the Islanders and figure out how to break, you know, you're going to have to study those defensive systems and figure out how to break those guys down because yeah. so far it looks like teams are struggling to do so. And was it the fifth goal where I feel like my point was you frustrate teams 
And when you frustrate teams, that team that is frustrated is going to try something different to, they're like, fuck man, nothing's working. I'm going to try something different. And I think it was, it was either the fourth or the fifth goal where uh, it looked like the Leafs had possession real quick. So Barry flew the zone. Yeah. They're, they're playing a little more high risk. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know it was a little later in the game or whatever, but we were only down by one. There was no need to be like overly aggressive in that instance, but all game long, you've been frustrated and you're sick of it. We got the puck. I'm going for a fucking skate with the boys. Move that up. Oh, turnover opportunity for the Islanders cash. Cause when they get an opportunity, it's cash money. Yeah. That's and I mean, all what shoot, I see. Your shooting percentage is not always going to be that high and right. they could be riding a bit of a wave there. But I, I just, I find them the most fascinating team in the NHL right now. And, and for the reasons I just described in that it's not, your conventional roster construction, a lot of, they took a lot of flack over the last couple of years and some of the moves that Lou has made. But the guy clearly knows what he's doing to a certain degree, and I'd really like to see, and maybe I'm going to spend some more time over the next week, maybe digging a little deeper, maybe see what that athletic subscription will pay for itself and teach me why the Islanders are so good at doing what they do. But um, one of the things I, I, I couldn't help but do in my mind was make a, a comparison with the with the roster construction of the Maple Leafs, where the Leafs have decided to construct their bottom six, which I believe is improved as a more offensive upside type deal where you have guys who, yeah, they can play defensively, but they're not the greatest defensively. You didn't sign them just because of their play without the puck. You signed them because you think they can chip in with some offense. And here you have the Islanders taking a completely different philosophy. So it almost makes me question a little bit um, the philosophy that goes into building a roster and from the least standpoint where you're like, oh yeah, we're all speed and possession. But no matter what, you're not going to possess the. If the Leafs are 55, Corsi, I think the Leafs are top five or top ten right now in the in the Corsi category. But you're still not going to possess the puck the whole game. That's still only a little little over half with um without the puck. So that's right. If you're not good when you don't have the puck, you're you're going to expose yourself to risk, whether it's fucking 55 percent of the time or 45 percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not it's a still huge a heavy swing. chunk. Right, exactly. Because if that forty-five percent of the game is is you're not playing well, I mean, what's what difference is really that extra percentage of of Corsi four going to make? Well, and you look at the second period of that game, let's go. What were the shots? Seventeen to three. Yeah, they outplayed the Islanders for eighty percent of that night. And right back to my point of opportunistic goals. Right, um, we were out shooting them. They they had they didn't not, have a shot for over ten minutes. I think their first shot of the period. Yeah. Their first shot of the period came with like eight and a half minutes left in the period or something like that, somewhere close to that. And they scored on it. And it was garbage from Freddie. And I yeah, can't it was a little, it was a not, tough one It was there. not good, you know, and it's just like, fuck's yeah. sakes, man. You can't catch a break. Whether it's a bad goal from the goaltender, he lets in one that he normally wouldn't let in, or, you know, they pass it out front and it goes off of Morgan Riley's foot and in, or something like that. Those are the goals that count, dude. They count on the board, and we don't seem to ever get those, you know? We don't seem to get some, those. You got some bounces there. Could use some bounces, I think. And I guess. Even but just if for we're, the morale. We're not relying on fucking bounces. No, here, but even man. for the morale, right? And that's the point. Is should that be earning your bounces. They're a good enough team that they shouldn't have to, you know, be counting on such things. But uh, I guess we'll we'll get right balls deep into the Leafs here um, and our Leafs portion of the show. Um, you know, there's a lot of frustration right now. The Leafs have lost three straight at this point. Uh, it seems that the um, 
Coleman's echoes are all over Twitter right now, starting to come come for Babs and everything. I don't like that. I no, like being people I are li- stealing your heat. You yeah. like being the odd man out. I liked being the guy that asked those weird questions, and it's 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 turned into this whole big fucking. Is it thing. on trend now? Is is Babcock getting fired on trend now? I don't know. I mean, it's just. Like yeah. I said, I, I'm I'm joking. I'm 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 still kind of silently happy that. Well, I shouldn't say happy. I don't know how to word this, dude. But there's a part of me emotionally that I guess kind of enjoys that we have gotten to this point because I knew we were going to get here, and I'm confident in being able to say that. You know, people be like, "I knew we were going to like make you, the playoffs." It's and like no, the no, fact that they're doing know. bad is vindica- vindicating for you somewhat. Yeah, I guess. Right. You know, that's a sad way to be vindicated, but it is, and I'm not happy about it. I'm actually sick and tired of it, to be honest with you. Well, like, I, I'm tired of it only because I mean, we've been talking about it for quite a long time, and I think yeah, some that the, too. I think some people first started bringing it up maybe January, February of last year, but. It's like people are chomping at the bit for this to happen, and I still have the belief that it's not going to happen anytime soon. And the only reason why it would happen anytime soon, like say January or December, is if the Leafs are basically, if we are having the same conversation in terms of the way they're playing in December or January, then I could see it potentially happening. Well, what do you want first? Do you want positive leaf notes or do you yeah, want Yeah, let's negative? go positive because right. we've been so negative lately and we already started off negative. Let's hit the positive least notes. All right. I think Freddie overall has been strong. I agree. I think he's kept them in games. He's allowed them to come back. He's bounced back from a couple of softies here and there, but I agree. generally good. He has not let in enough softies for me to say that he's been playing poorly. Right. Nothing has been Freddie's fault. Right. I think that's a fair statement. They collapsed in pretty hard on him, and and the coverage isn't always great. But I don't mean nothing every goal. I mean nothing on the grand scheme of things. There's nothing that we can point to on the fucking schedule and be like, oh, that one was that one was Freddie. Yeah, no, I'm, oh, Freddie was bad here too. No, he's been nothing but an unbelievable goaltender great. for the Leafs, and I I think even even recently, despite the the poor player inconsistent play, I think he's been one of the more consistent guys. Uh, deservedly so, actually was. Got all three stars last Saturday night uh, against the uh, Philadelphia. Oh, did he actually? I he thought you just got, put that in there as a joke. No, he actually got he got all okay. three stars, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, he he definitely put the team on his back and gave them an opportunity to win. Um, so the other positive note: Dermot and Hall pairing, I think, has been pretty good. Hall, obviously, we've mentioned him quite a bit. He's been a, he's been a great story for the for the Leafs and a uh, guy they stuck with and a guy who stuck with the team. I mean, spending seventy games in the press box last season is not easy. No, and I mean, I I, I agree. I echo the sentiment. Um, I think he's been a bright spot. Uh, you talk about you know Mark Vanderluck, uh, sorry Mark, <laughs> Mark Vanderluck that joined us last episode made a good point when he says. If you don't hear about a defenseman very often, that's usually a good thing. Whereas if you don't hear about a forward for a really long time, that's a terrible thing. Um, so with Hall, it's normal, it's normal, quiet, quiet, normal, whatever you want to call it. Um, he gets the job done back there as best as anyone else on our current decor, which I didn't think I would say if you asked me that question in September. No, not at all. I mean, I was, I was surprised. Um, you know, he seemed like a good option, but he was definitely an option that had to prove himself still. I feel like he, he still hadn't proven himself to be a bona fide NHL defenseman. Um, and he, obviously, he's put that question to bed 
pretty quickly here in the uh, first couple, month and a half of the NHL season. Um, another positive, obviously, I think, and everybody can admit it, and it might quiet the critics at least temporarily, but William Nylander is hot right now, and he actually su- surpassed his goal, te- his goal total from last season. He had seven goals in 54 games played last year. That's poor. Ugh. 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 <laughs> That's really but, poor. But... <clears throat> has eight goals in 20 games played and I think three in his last three games if I'm not mistaken as well last three in his last two because he had two against the Hawks Toby Reader thought Willie Nylander was cold last year <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah Nylander has been heating up Matthews is in beast mode Man, he looked like he hit another gear in Currently. that game against Philly last Saturday. Like he got pissed off, and yeah. he was like, "I'm, I'm in. Like I'm going here." And I, you know, I can't really criticize him for his play. Like you know, we made the point his play without the puck, and so on and so forth. But you look at the numbers he's putting up, and and what he's doing. Yeah, obviously, we'd like to see more from him on the power play, but we want to see more from everyone on the power play. And that takes us over to the negative Leafs notes. One last thing on Matthews before we One move on. One more positive. One more positive. Well, it's kind of a positive. It kind of leads into the negativity, okay. to be honest with you. I want people to pay attention to this, our Leaf fans. I want you guys to pay attention to this, and you too, let's go. When Matthews is out there, and you're right, there's this something like a flip, like it switches, and he's... He just starts skating twice like, as hard. Yeah, and- it's like he pulls the double bumpers and goes into like you know superstar <laughs> mode or something, and it's awesome to see. On those shifts, and they happen, right? Now, you're going to watch them in the next couple games here. A lot of those shifts, dude, he stays out for a long time. I like that. Like a long time. Now, I've seen his I've seen his wingers change. I've seen them not change as well, like Willie and Janssen, right? But my point here is I wonder if he gets so frustrated on the bench and just goes out there and fucking beast modes it up and then is like, you know what? I'm staying on I'm for a buck it. 12. There was actually Fuck one you. moment, I, I can't recall if it, I believe it was the Philly game where he skated to the bench and then next thing you know, he was coming back. So I'm wondering if he was waved. They're like, mm, no, oh, we need okay. one here. Oh, we need, okay. Keep going. And I think he had been off a lo- for a while because of penalties and all that kind of shit. Well, my thing is just, I, I'm just putting out a theory. Um, right. But I'm, uh, you should pay attention to it because on those shifts where he just dominates, it's either that shift or the next couple thereafter, he... Mm. He, he has like over a minute. It's over a minute for sure when he's on the ice. I've rewound it a couple times to have a look. And then other times when, you know, not a whole lot's going, he just kind of fucks off because he's like, you know what? This isn't even for me. I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off, whatever. And then he comes out the next shift and he stays on for a minute and 22 seconds and has mm. three shots on the same shift, you know? And he didn't have any prior to that. And so. they both they both really stepped up in that game, him and Nylander. And, and you can tell they really ran with them in that game. And I think they were up for like 22, 23 minutes in that game. Yeah. Um, obviously, the big negative Leafs story from that game is the Marner injury. Um, I was shocked, actually, that Marner came out for a spin after that yeah because he looked you watch the way he fell on his leg and that's scary Didn't and look then you good. watch the way he peeled himself off the ice that that looked terrible so the fact that he even came out for another skate was i i i couldn't believe he did it like it's I, he must have told the guys like oh i gotta try it i gotta try it I'm, I'm all right and then he was buckling out there yeah i mean i guess a high ankle sprain it might just feel like a stinger i've never had one yeah it's um, a serious injury though and, and just by the way he went down because, you know, from from what I can tell, it's it's four weeks minimum. 
could be up to six. And when he comes back, he's not going to be 100%. Yeah, well, that's the point you made. And it was a great one because it's it, it's a lower body injury. Uh, Marner is not necessarily the fastest skater in the but world. But he's shifty as hell. But he's very he's good skater, on his right? edges. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's that's... That's a devastating injury for a guy who who really depends on that to to carry the puck and make plays. Well, we've seen it in his training videos and stuff. The things that he does, yeah. he jumps, he he jumps and spins. He does a lot of weird things that you could almost identify as like figure skating moves. Mm. But that's for him to be able to adapt and adjust, jump over a player that's sliding, pivot backwards. And we've actually seen him do that on occasion. Let's go. He'll jump up to catch a puck that was flipped out by the defender, land skating backwards and then carry it over the zone. Like, I mean, he's very, very good edge work skater and having a high ankle sprain. I mean, like you said, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent when he comes back and that's not going to be for quite some time. Now I understand that a lot of our listeners are our leaf fans around the country and worldwide, whatever you want to say are a little bit fed up with knee or uh, will. Uh, oh my God, Marner. I'm talking about Nylander because I heard something funny as one of the guys I know was like, maybe Marner and Nylander should switch contracts. <laughs> you know, it's just pretty good. Um, I mean, I don't want to sit here and harp on the guy for not producing. I was explaining to my buddy's wife yesterday, what, what uh, heavy pockets syndrome was right? She didn't understand point per game still too. No, I know, but right? you, but you you you've seen it, dude. I mean, yeah. he's he's not as effective. I don't care that he's a point per game. He has not been as effective. How was he more effective but got less points? I think what really shot overshot his performance right now is the penalties have been taken, a couple of which have cost them games. But and turnovers, and, dude, let's go. He's right. had some really, really right. like what are and you a couple, doing? A couple of games where he's just pedestrian out there. Like he seems to be instead of driving the play, he's watching the play. Yeah, right? but I, I'm okay. I'll give a guy a pass. Yeah. I'm not. I'll give him. A, a I'm giving game. him a pass for sure. I think that's what I'm saying. Is you that know? I'm. Uh, he's, I'm It'll not, come. I'm not looking right at him. So hopefully we get him back soon because um, we're going to need him, especially when it comes to these two egregious statistics. And that is the Leafs PK and their power play. Well, so okay? we're diving into the negative notes. We're diving here. into the negatives. Okay. So right, right now the Leafs at 24th in penalty kill at 75%. Garbage. That is not good enough. Okay. I'm not going to analyze it. I'm not going to break it down. Something's got to change. It's got to be better than that. Period. I mean... No upper echelon team in the NHL is getting by with that kind of PK. And it, it would cost them the game last night against the Islanders. They, they they got two power play goals scored on them by one of the worst power plays in the NHL. Okay? So that's not good enough. The power play, we it's probably the most mind-boggling part about the Leafs. The power play right now is 20th in the NHL at 17%. Um, both of those are below Garbage. league average. I think the power play is the most shocking one of all because of the level of talent we've seen. But you know, I was joking around with a buddy about it the other day. I was like, "Well, you know, they can't they can't just shoot the puck because they got to go tic tac toe backdoor sexy plays, right?" Yeah, but they don't do that. <laughs> no, but they sure try. <laughs> it's like no, can't shoot because we got to set up. You know, the pretty play. And, yeah, and I wonder if with that level of skill and talent and the shit they can pull in practice that they're. Maybe they're aiming a little too high. I don't know. I don't have a lot more to add on the power play other than it's frustrating as fuck to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. It's It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know if we need to start pointing fingers at Dave Hackstall. Um, I was just trying to do like some last-minute research on this. I'm not going to go on the record and say exactly what, what, what it was, but I did have... 
um, some intel come my way as far as Hackstall is concerned when he was coaching the Flyers. So the Flyers special teams, you know how they talk about the index, Lesko? We did that in the, in the season preview show. You index the power play and you should be over 100. That's adding the power play percentage and the penalty kill percentage, adding them together. You should be over 100. So if you're 82% on the power play, you want to be at least 20%. Or sorry, if you're 82% on the PK, you want to be at least 20% on the power play. Your index is over 100 and you're doing well. That's all. It doesn't really matter about where you are in the standings. Just where those two bounce out. You're doing well if you're able to be upwards in in that category near 100. Look at you, fucking Archie. Archie's just fucking all over full you. makeout sash with your Archie, dog here. Archie, get, out, get here. out of here. So listen, um, when in the years that Hackstall was in Philly, it was something around like 28th, 29th, 22nd. It was all in the high 20s, mid to high 20s in terms of where the Flyers were if you index our special teams. So what do we do? We go and... Hire Dave Hextall to come and run our special teams after he leaves Philly. Right, in but a it's McFarland who's doing the power play apparently. Oh, and okay. he was the one who coached Flores' power play, which was quite successful last year. But whatever they're doing isn't working. But you got a lot of talent to work with, so all I'm saying is switch switch shit up. Because I mean, obviously there has been a force change. We got Willie in, in Mitch's spot now, and the only other thing I can suggest maybe is give is give Tyson Berry the first string just because. Uh, I think he's a bit of more of a threat in terms of his shot from the point. And the guy has been one of the best power play defensemen in the NHL for several <laughs> years. Know. You know, like just <clears throat> there's something's got to give, right? Something's got to change and you got to stir shit up. All right. I'm going to hit you with, going. I'm going to hit you with the negatives here. All right. You got okay, it. You ready go. for it? Rapid fire. We are currently in the second wild card spot. We have nine wins in 20 games played. We have played 20 games, <laughs> which is also a negative. We are plus one in goal differential. We have allowed the first goal in 15 out of the 20 games God, we have played. God, that's frustrating. We have only beaten the following teams in regulation. San Jose, Columbus, Ottawa, Detroit, Minnesota, and LA all must wins too. all must wins. And not all of them came very easily. Might I add? Right. Okay. And I'm not asking the the Leafs to go out here and fucking thump everybody and put a touchdown down, but how about a game or two where I know we're going to win? Where's points night. Like I know we're going to win in the second period. Right. Because of what the score is and how we're going. And it's just over for the other guys. I don't even want to hear about a fucking comeback in the third. It's over. Team's Mm -hmm. over. Like when we buried Carolina during the afternoon game a couple years ago, you know? Like we haven't seen anything like that ever, man. We're giving up the first goal all the time. We're we're beating every shitty team in the fucking league in regulation and losing to all the rest of them. I mean, like, do I need to go on? Do I need to find any more? Everyone looks at me and says, bro, we're just a sev- we're just several points away from this or that. Actually, just a couple nights ago, I believe we were within striking distance of the division because the because the Bruins <laughs> well, that's, that's the Bruins were going through some 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 tough some tough spots. But guess what we did? We answered that with the three game losing streak, and now we're barely in the playoffs. Yeah, it's interesting too because it's going to be a tough uh, tough path going forward. They got Boston on Saturday, uh, then they got Vegas, Arizona, and uh, the Avalanche on the road, and that's part of a six game road trip. Now, in saying that, they were actually better on the road last year than they were at home. So maybe the road trip get, helps getting them going. Uh, 
you know, sells the boys in, some team bonding, I don't know what it is, go out on the town, maybe Austy will take you out in fucking Arizona for a few rips, if everybody keeps their pants on. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely not taking you to where he lives, yeah, or, not or taking, maybe used to live. Let's go to your place. <laughs> let's go to your place, yeah, yeah we got, we tells got me moved. stupid security guards at my place. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, but um, I guess, and, and, and to top up the negative notes was, uh, Michael Hutchison played his last game as a Maple Leaf uh, Sunday against the Blackhawks. Um, clearly not working out. 0-4-1, 0.879, just not good enough in terms of save percentage. Um, I thought he recovered well after a disaster of a first period against the Hawks, uh, but unfortunately it wasn't uh, quite enough for the Leafs to win that hockey game. Um, I figured he had a couple more left in him, and unless he showed us something, he was going to be gone, similar to what we saw with, uh, I think it was Enroth a couple seasons ago. Yeah, I mean... Babs has no patience for backups who can't play. No, but Babs has no desire to give them a chance to be better than they than they can be. Now, oh, I, don't no, think, I, I don't think that Hutchinson is as bad as his record and stats show. Yeah, but I don't also think he's your ideal no, backup. No, he's not. I don't think he's adequate. I, I, I would like to say that as well. I'm not saying that Hutchinson is an adequate backup. I, I do think that in an ideal world with the Leafs playing a better system or what I fuck. I hate talking like this. Cause I just feel like I sound like such an idiot, but <laughs> like, I just feel like he may have been an adequate backup. I think anybody could potentially be an adequate backup for a team like this. If we were seeing a, a more effective way of the team playing. Like We're not the, seeing a very right. effective that play that style. and you know there's the the debate over the way that that he's been started so far. It's like, you know, why don't you give your backup goaltender the best opportunity for excess? Are you giving the softer the back-to-backs whatever? Yeah, we've but argued that. It's too lot. bad. That's the way it is. So unless that goalie can do it, then they're not going to they're not going to play. Um unfortunately, if you look at the litany of backup goaltenders the Leafs have had in the last over say over Babcock's tenure. Yeah. The only guy who could do it was Mac yeah. McElhaney, yep. right? So now we're bringing Casimir Kaskiswo up from the Marlies. Um, interesting opportunity for him. I wasn't really sure if this guy would ever turn out to be a uh, NHL goaltender, but it's uh, it's his to lose now. I mean, he's kind of being thrust into it. Um, very positive season for him so far. He's 6-1-1 one one with the AHL to- Toronto Marlies, uh, sporting a .928 save percentage. Um I didn't think I was going to have to pronounce that guy's name on the show. Dude, I was just going to (laughs) say... I thought, nah, we'll never have to say this guy's name because he's never going to be the man. I was just going to say, how do you say that again? Kaskiswo. I I thought it was Kaskisuo. Yeah, you could say it like that too, I guess. I'm not sure if I'm even right. That's just how I most recently may have heard someone say it that I believe was credible enough to imitate. Broadcaster's nightmare. Right. And and not because of the the pronunciation of the name. We'll find out. But it, you combine the pronunciation of the name with the fact that he's the goaltender, Lesko. So, like, anywhere from 25 to 49 times, yeah, you're you going to say, it, say all. it all night. Yeah, well, they play well, they play Pittsburgh and, and Boston this weekend, and Pittsburgh's the second in the back and back, which I completely omitted Pittsburgh from that altogether, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah you did. Yeah. <laughs> when I was naming their next few games, I don't know how. I, I didn't write it down, so that's how no. I missed it. But yeah. I r- just remembered that, yes, they – so we will see Casca School play uh, this weekend. So, you know, all the best to him, and hopefully some of that success can translate. Um, it's quite funny because you look at his numbers, and, and he's been a little bit inconsistent in the um, AHL. Uh, he had a bit of a, a rough go. I think it was either the beginning of last year or the previous year. 
And then he comes out and he was lights off, uh, lights out, sorry, for the Marlies in their deep playoff run last season. So, you know, hopefully it goes well. We, I have really no idea what to expect, but goalies, goalies are unpredictable in general, right? So it's just like, oh, I'll hope for the best. Yeah, and it's you, true. And you hope with the Leafs, knowing that they've got the rookie tender in behind them, that that encourages them to step up their game a little bit. Yeah, um, quick update. Um, I wanted to ask you not long ago, either it was last pod or this pod, um, we've kind of just breezed over the Tampa Bay Lightning and what's going on and how it hasn't been a world-beating start. We've touched on it a little bit, but... They've been midland like the Leafs so far. Looks like they're back, yeah. though. Okay. Um, they lead. <laughs> they currently lead the New York Rangers 5-1 to one with five minutes left in the first. Well, there's a must, so, must win. That's I know, points a, night right there for yeah, them, right? Give us a points night. <laughs> we got to take advantage of the points nights. Bro, it was supposed to be against are they lighting up? Are they lighting up Georgiev or, uh, or Lundqvist? I don't know. You're yeah. going to make me Sorry, look. sorry, sorry. That's okay. They don't ask these stupid questions. I got gotcha. you. It's, uh, it's, oh. Oh, it looks like Georgiev went. Yeah, Georgiev started, got the yank. Got the yank. Oh, yeah. poor Georgiev. Georgie boy. So anyway, I, I like. I'm thinking Tampa's probably back. Uh, if we want to look quickly back to the standings, dude, um, Tampa is not even in the top three in the division yet. Okay, Tampa is not even in the fucking wild card. Look out yet. for them. They're Let's coming. go. They're coming. Okay, so Buffalo dropped out. We had Tyler on. Tyler did the Called same thing. It. He did the same thing he did last year. Sabers are not for real. Took him right off the wagon. Goddamn genius. Off they go. This year, maybe it's Tyler's fault. Could maybe be. we should stop asking him. Hey, man, Sabers for real. No, I, w- I want. I would <laughs> like to ask him because anything to take the uh, Sabers down a peg. Right. So basically, what I'm getting at here is Sabers were off to a great start. They've since fallen out. Florida was middling, and they've now jumped into the third uh, Atlantic Division spot. But you got Tampa Bay currently fifth in the wild card chase. Mm. They're going to shoot right up there, dude. They're going to shoot right up there and be up there with fucking Boston and Montreal and Florida. Dude, I'm telling you, I know it's only November 14th. I feel like Don Cherry. We're a quarter. We're a quarter, right? It sucks. Yeah. This is not going well. Yeah. And you know what? I I really, and I think that's what's been helping me sleep at night is thinking of the Leafs as, um, as doing what Tampa's doing and, and hopefully flipping a switch and going, all right, we got it. Let's get going on. I know the minor injury uh, dashes those hopes a little bit, but let's be honest here. Like we know, we know what the team is, and we know what they're capable of. It's just whether or not they go out there and do it at this point. So, yeah. at least from that standpoint, it's still exciting hockey to watch. I mean, for instance, it took me a while to turn off the Islanders game because I'm like, I know they can come back, but. It was just the way the game was going. I think it was after the four-two goal, maybe, where I was just like, "Oh God damn it!" Like, I think it was what four or five minutes left in the second. I was like, "Fuck it, it's just not happening tonight." Yeah, I, I don't, I can't say that I agree with you in terms of it's still exciting hockey to watch because well, it's been very low event hockey. I think we talked about that last week. That they've really been, it's been a lot of broken neutral play. Well, yeah. Fucking dump ins and Starting shit. with LA. Yeah. It happened in the LA game, which I thought was going to be points night. Uh, but instead, we grinded it out and barely mm-hmm. beat them. And then Babcock said it was awesome. Uh, and then the next night, we really did do a good job of grinding one out against the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Babcock called that one beautiful. I'm okay with him liking the Vegas game more than the LA game. And you got to, you got to run rampant over the LA Kings. You just have to, and you don't. Uh, and then you take that same stifling style, old Guy Boucher circa 2016 with the Ottawa senators, you grind it and you keep the scoring as low as possible. 
even when you have such dynamic offensive threats, you choose to be that way. That's fine. It worked. Um, and then after that, uh, what was it? Was the Philly up next? I believe. Yeah. Philly was next with the OT, uh, shootout loss. And that should have been three wins in a row in my books. It would have been okay. I'm not overly happy with what I saw against LA, but we won. So how mad can I be? Uh, okay. Vegas, uh, only scored two goals, only gave up one. Uh, but then I kind of look at Vegas, dude, and they they have been really slowing down. So it's I don't know how happy I need to be about that. It's not like we it's not like we stifled a, um, a monster. It was a great game, though. It was I mean, a good. It game. was a good, uh, entertaining hockey game. Um, but yeah, they're they're really, and I think they want to play this low, or at least Babcock wants them to play this low event style. And I know we've talked about it for forever on this podcast that we're we're not exactly sure that that the style of play that Babcock wants the team to play is is what's what's best for them in terms of their skill set. Like I it, it's a mismatch and and I get it. Like I and I understand why, especially in a team where you don't look at the back end and see see world beaters as far as defensemen are concerned. So I understand why you want to ingrain a defensive system in a team, but it's just frustrating from a fan standpoint because you don't want to see uh you know players like Tyson Berry have their creativity stifled out there. Well, and his and his pocketbook is going to be affected. Yeah, that might be good for us. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we get him on the cheap. I remember we joked about that with Tyler Matter as Tyler pointed to Barry and said, "Well, listen, if we're talking about Babs, why not talk about Tyson Barry? Like, there's a lot more there. So there's much lot, more. There's so much more there. Yeah. We're not able to see it, whether it be bad pairings or lack yeah. of PP time." whatever you want to point your finger to at the end of the day, the guy is not playing the same brand of hockey and he switched organizations yeah. from an organization that was built on skill and speed and fucking utilizes it, utilizes those Nathan McKinnon legs and utilizes the offensive creativity of the likes of McKinnon with Rantanen, you know, mm-hmm. Landeskog out there as well. I mean, they sift that thing around and they look like they are in control. I just don't often feel like my Leafs are in control. And then we get a power play and I'm thinking, I used to be like, oh, oh, oh here we go. Yeah, you know, this is going to be fucking it. sick. And now it's like, can we decline this shit? <laughs> like, you know, and I know I got a lot of guys that are on board with me and the Babcock thing. And here's what I want to say to you, Lesko, as, as I'm sure we're wrapping it up here shortly. Yeah. My epiphany that came to me after the Islanders loss. I wrote this big post in one of my big leaf groups. The boys, I don't know if they liked it or not, but basically I went on record and said, okay, I'm done. Like I'm done being negative. I'm not done with the team. Like, oh, I'm fucking done. Like remember my rant with Mark? Yeah. I got all mad about it. Yeah. So you're done done being mad about it? I don't like what it's doing to me anymore. Like 15 year old Josh Coleman would be so like devastated, embarrassed with what, future him has become because it used to be about the tattoo on my fucking shoulder and that's it the leafs above above almost everything else i've had other things come into my life obviously family and everything i'm just joking but like the leafs were so important you know and it was just believe 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 that you can do it and the team is bad it doesn't matter believe in the team (laughs) cheer for the team don't don't knock the team you're not supposed to be someone that knocks the team. And I will be on record and I will say this. I do believe that the Babcock factor is the is the problem currently. I'm not going to blame every icing and offside on the man. 
but I do believe there comes a time in sports when coaches are fired. Hell, Joel Quenville was fired, you know, after his run in Chicago. And it, it, it's, it's just, it happens in sports. And I think it needs to happen now. I don't think it's going to. And that's why the epiphany is what it is. The epiphany is I'm done with bitching about everything and saying, well, this is a problem. That's a problem. We'll talk about it on the podcast. We'll dissect it. I'll give you my honest thoughts, but I'm still going to just be cheering for the boys to get two points, cheering for Poppy to score. Try to enjoy the goddamn game. I for just what it want is. to enjoy Especially it. considering how good the team is and how long it's been since we have a good team. And the guy is a good coach. We have to give him at least that benefit of the doubt that he is a good coach. Is he the best coach for this team? I don't fucking know, but like you said, there's no point in sitting there frothing at the mouth with the fucking noose ready in your hand to be like, all right, let's go. Like yeah. this game, it's this game, right? Like yeah. you don't, you don't want to, or saying, I hope we lose. Or saying, I hope we lose. You don't want to do that to yourself as I a can't fan. Do that. Because let's be honest here. And I thought, I thought Dubis really, um, really said it well in, a, in this very unusual day, actually, where they had a uh, presser. They had a, a team meeting, which they canceled practice for. And then Dubis went out and spoke to the media about it. And he said a lot. But one of the points he made was, I expect more from everybody than that's basically coach and team included. Yeah. You know what I mean? He made the point that it, our expectations is, is is more for the entire organization here. Okay, like nobody's nobody's getting a pass. We're not throwing blame in any which way direction, and that's that's the right thing to say. And I think it's the right way for him to look at it as a pragmatic GM. I think so too. Uh, what I think what made me angry over this past weekend and even up until today, I am seeing way too much anti Dubis comments and shit, and that's. I'm telling you right now, it's 100% based on two things. Mitch Marner's contract and William Nylander's contract. And the William Nylander contract, you guys need to fuck off. And I'm sorry, if anyone's listening, that's like, oh, well, fucking Coleman's an idiot. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> Nylander's contract is not a problem, Lesko. No, especially when you compare it to the other figures that the other boys But got, don't even like, compare it. Don't even like, compare it to anything. His contract is fine. Bag. It's going to be... Good. Yeah, it's, it's already, probably good already. Yeah, I would. I would say based on the output so far this season. And I said that in the summer or when last year when he was signed, I said, oh. "Listen, guys, I'm not going to go on on a limb and say that Nylander's contract is going to be de- deemed a steal uh, right now." But I think as early as next season, we are going to say that the deal is at least acceptable, if not valuable. Yeah, if it, not valuable. And when you look at the other numbers, I think that's what really shines a light on on the value that that this contract can potentially offer if he, uh, you know, say he puts up 25, 30 genos or something this year, yeah. um, which he's off to a very good start. And I've been been quite impressed with his play, especially after I think I, I don't I don't remember if it was before last episode, but I saw a shift where I swear to God it was the worst shift I've seen him play all season, <laughs> okay. where he grabbed Buddy's sweater at oh, the end of it. He the turned corner? over the puck and yeah. then he was like coasting around, waving yeah. a stick, and then he like fully stuck out his arm, grabbed Buddy's sweater. I was like, what? In turned the hell him around. Was that easiest so, but call since, ever? Since then, he's been he's been phenomenal, right? So yeah, so that that was my thing. Is uh, that gets my blood boiling a little bit because uh, as much as I do agree that Dubis. Definitely overpaid on Mitch. I do. I yeah, think everyone knows you that. Know, I think everybody knows that that this you know there as a new GM you're gonna see some things that and experience learning some curves things, or whatever some learning curves and maybe the contract negotiations might be one of them. But here's the thing to remember though, dude. Like at the end of the day, yes, the contract is 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 expensive or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, he got it done on paper. 
It's there. It's done. I understand that there's no wiggle room for this or that or a backup goalie or whatever, but the roster is constructed. There have been injuries. Fine. Yeah. At some point, they'll but play together. But nothing's going to change. Like uh, nobody should be sitting here begging for a trade or something. None, none, no, the none team's of that's there. happening. Nothing's the team's happening. there, and that's what I'm coming back to. Lesko, my epiphany was that this isn't going to happen overnight. It doesn't look like we're getting the change that I. It doesn't look like I'm getting the change that Josh Goldman. No, wants. and things are going to have to be bad if that change does take place because it's you know it's going to have to come from Shanny. For one. I can't root for that. You know, and and yeah, because you're you're basically rooting for your team to lose. I can't so. root for that. I could barely root for it in the. T- Tank season. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. You don't know? want to go back to the fucking PA parenthood. Yeah, but dude, right? maybe I do because I'm telling you right now, I did not hate being a Leaf fan during the tank because the tank had purpose. Well, you you knew why we sucked. We didn't suck while we we're trying to be good. We're sucking now <laughs> while we're trying to be good. Yeah, well, yeah, I was suck is a strong word. Is it, dude? <laughs> like, I would Nine say, wins in 20 games. But I definitely would say Nine. that. Their play without puck, and I've said this numerous times, sucks right now. Their power play sucks, and their penalty goal sucks, which is very key aspects of the game that are going to have <laughs> to be shaped up. And I just said they up. suck. You disagree. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, but there's part of me as a fan, though, who's like, okay, I can't, you know, kind of similar to what you said, put myself through this kind of shit, try and enjoy the games, and talk to me at the playoffs. Because yeah. really, at the, end of, at the end of the day, and you could say this if you're a Raptors fan or you're a fucking Leafs fan, I don't give a shit until playoffs in terms of what happens, how ugly the season. Get there and talk to me then. Yeah, and that's what I put in my final note there in my epiphany. Really, at the end of the day, you just got to get there, okay? And it's too bad that on November 14th, we're talking about just getting there. But really, that's all there is. Let's go. And who knows? Maybe we get in as a wild card seat and don't face the Bruins. Who knows? <laughs> maybe we fucking face somebody yeah. else. But. My my biggest concern and my worry is that we'll go through the season, everything will be you know fine to above mediocre, and we get in, and then we're just gonna play the same team for seven games in a row or yeah. four or five, you know, however many long. What I'm saying is you play that team consistently, and I had this conversation with a really good buddy of mine yesterday. I said, bro. Like, cause he said, well, we're getting hundred point seasons. How can you be that mad at Babs? I said, bro, you play a different fucking team every second night, every second, third night, you play a different team. They don't have the capacity to prepare for you like they do in football or like they would in the playoffs. You get to the playoffs and it's one team. You mm-hmm. do video for one team. And I've said this to you before. How long do you think the video segments are for our opponents? I don't think they're very fucking long, dude, because we don't change anything. They can pull up video from 2017. Like they can pull up video from 2017, compare it to video from last week. It's almost identical. Yeah. It's, it's pretty predictable too. And you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause it, it's so exhausting. I've always been a bit of like a, an armchair coach during the game and certain things that I'd noticed that I wouldn't like, or things that I did like that I would point out to whoever would listen, whoever I was watching with, um, but I, I and especially now that we do this show, it's like I'm constantly looking for things that you know add to, add to my argument or a yeah. talking point or something like that. But um, especially when the team is not playing as well as you believe it should be, it, it's it's been tough uh, uh, from a from the fan standpoint for me because it's like you're you're so frustrated with the analysis and 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 overanalyzing and trying to dissect what's wrong and. And and you forget that it's a sport, and that there's a certain amount of intangibles and fucking sheer luck that goes into goes into what happens. So it's like as easily as you lose a few games, you can go and win a few games, right? So 
you know, on to the next one type thing, right? Yeah, and I've said that to my buddies for for at least two full seasons now. Whenever things aren't looking good, and you know, it's you're quick to be negative. Yeah. They score the other team scores two quick ones, and you're down three nothing, and yeah. it's the first period, and a bunch of your buddies go, "Well, fucking pack it in, it's over." Yeah. No, you know this team can change. Oh, it was the old days. I mean, it's it's this enjoy can, what we have, right? Yeah. Like let's let's remind ourselves where we came from and where we're at. I know the expectations are through the roof, and they will continue to be so, and for good reason. True. But every once in a while, as a fan, take a fucking break and at least enjoy watching the game for what it is, and enjoy watching those superstar players we have, because there was a time, not that long ago, where things were worse. In a day long, far, far away. <laughs> I don't want to go back to those days, man. And, it, and I don't think they're in our future. So the future's bright. Let's just hope that, you know, we can, you know, it's fuck it. They can win fucking four th- games in a row before we do our next show. Like, oh, my God, they're amazing. Like, just, you know, it's like so last year when we were doing the show, there was points where the Leafs were a bit of an afterthought to some of our episodes because it was like, what, is it, what can we say? This guy's amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. Everything's good. Feeling good. Yep, feeling good. I remember we talked about that, I think, if I'm not mistaken. We said the only real reason that we would have to talk about them right now is if they were bad. <laughs> and they hadn't been bad. There was just a lot of good to talk about. Everyone was going. Yeah, if they won scoring. four straight since your last show, it's like... How much? We, how hard do you want to stroke them off? Right? But if we won four games after what we've seen through the first twenty, if we won four games in a row, especially against some of the opponents we have coming up, dude. Well, it's like are we waiting for that "we're back" maybe moment? Like here we go. Well, when do you think it's going to happen? What's I, your prediction? I don't know, but pucks in deep prediction. I gotta say they gotta get their ass in gear for for uh, before like Christmas, New Year's, because if they're going into that period of time and we're still trudging our way through the season and our record similar in the winter percentage and the differential similar it's not going to be good enough and i don't know what they can do because like you said the roster's set so that might be the only time that we see a contemplation of some changes all right well we'll see what those changes are or aren't coming up shortly thanks for joining us we'll see you again next week here on the pucks in deep podcast